Hello and welcome aboard This Island Nation, the Maritime Programme. Justin Ma here with the programme about Ireland's maritime culture, history, tradition and development. On this edition, the new Chief Executive of the Marine Institute discusses the future development of the Institute and its importance to the Irish maritime sector. The seas and the ocean are absolutely critical to society and one of the big jobs of the Marine Institute is to keep raising the awareness of the ocean and getting the public and the schools and the scientists of the future to engage with the sea and really impress how important the ocean is to our society and the way we live. Dr. Paul Connolly, CEO of the Marine Institute, and life on the offshore islands during the COVID-19 crisis. Inishlayer in County Mayo is as perfect a place as you'd get for self-isolation. Small and perfectly formed, we have a natural harbour with stunning views of Clue Bay and Crowpatrick. As we now have a population of only three, you could say we are isolated all of the time and have nothing to get used to during these frightening days. This Island Nation is Ireland's maritime radio programme, coming to you from the studios of CRY 104FM in Yall on the East Cork coastline, bringing together the maritime community around Ireland, an island people, a community bonded by the sea around us. You're very welcome aboard, and to contact the programme, where your views and comments are most welcome, our email address is thisislandnation at gmail.com. That's thisislandnation at gmail.com. We've highlighted on this programme several times the importance of our offshore island communities. In the current health emergency, those communities took an unusual step for them, asking visitors not to go to the islands. The government followed that with a ban on travel to and from the islands, apart from residents. There are good reasons for this, as Rhoda Twombly, Secretary of the Islands Federation, Kogol Nilon Naharan, explains from her island home. And in the midst of these difficult times, she also has good news about local transport on Cape Clear and West Cork, and that Aranmore Island has two new authors, both aged 14. Inishlayer in County Mayo is as perfect a place as you'd get for self-isolation. Small and perfectly formed, we have a natural harbour with stunning views of Clue Bay and Crowpatrick. As we now have a population of only three, you could say we are isolated all of the time and have nothing to get used to during these frightening days. But there is. On our last trip to Westport for groceries, the changes were clear. Most of the shops were closed, few people on the streets, ample parking at the grocery, and little of the usual bonhomie that we so look forward to. Yes, people smiled and called out hellos, but gone were the little bunches of old friends chatting amongst the fruit and veg. As we asked our friends not to visit, we have had no problem with visitors to our island since the COVID outbreak. Most of our offshore islands tell a different story. Visitors are not aware of the challenges faced by islanders, especially in this time of pandemic. They don't know that even at the best of times, island medical professionals are in short supply. And during the summer months, it's a real challenge for medics to attend to those needing assistance. 
If one of these medical professionals is exposed to the virus and has to self-isolate, the island will be left without medical care. Only the larger islands have a resident doctor, not all have a resident nurse, and some only have a visiting nurse or doctor. For the most part, the demographic of the islands is that of an aging population with many vulnerable residents who obviously must avoid exposure. Additionally, the INLI cannot transport patients as they can't afford to lose crew to C-19. It's easy to see why residents have asked tourists to stay away and have managed to decrease ferry runs to make day tripping less attractive. Island residents themselves have agreed to limit their trips to the mainland as they can easily become vectors themselves. There is naturally huge anxiety surrounding the future of any of the hospitality businesses on the islands, but we are determined to protect our vulnerable residents as best we can. Islanders look forward to brighter days ahead, which I have no doubt will come. Some bits of brighter news. Elanclara has received its two electric buses and two charging points as part of the rural transport program. This fits in nicely with their participation in the EU Clean Energy on Islands program and is a very welcome addition to the island. Bear Island Community Radio is going from strength to strength, doing its part during the COVID crisis. Mass is transmitted as are school assemblies and student music. Local radio is vital not only for entertainment, but imparting information and the Bear Station is performing mighty work. Aaron Moore can be proud of its two newest authors, Owen Bonner, 14, and his younger sister, Emily, who launched their book, The Red Belt Files Collection, on St. Patrick's Day. The Red Belt Files Collection is brilliantly illustrated and includes historical events, humorous situations, and current affairs. The book is available on Apple Book. So until next time, it's Slawn from the Islands. So stay safe, stay healthy out there. Rhoda Twombly on Inishlaia in beautiful Clue Bay, County Mayo. Staying on the West Coast, we move southwards to Galway Bay, where the Marine Institute is located at Rinville near Orne Moor. Dr. Paul Connolly is the new chief executive of the Institute, succeeding Dr. Peter Heffernan. Before taking over leadership of the organisation, he was its Director of Fisheries and Ecosystems and has also been President of the International Council for the Exploration of the Seas, known as ICES, which is a network of 20 countries that develop scientific understanding of marine ecosystems, their conservation, management and sustainability. I asked him what his focus for the Institute will be. Well, the focus for the next five years will be there are many, many jobs that need to be done and then many housekeeping jobs that need to be done. The first is the senior leadership team at the Marine Institute and getting that working and in place. There's been a 50% change in the leadership team in, in the past year. So there's a new dynamic with the people who essentially are involved in managing and directing the Institute, uh, my senior leadership team. So that's a big element of the job. Another big element of the job is the new research vessel. We signed a contract before Christmas and the new research vessel has currently been built in Spain and will be delivered in the middle of 2022. So the major task there is to ensure that the vessel comes in on time and on budget. Then there are all a lot of traditional things we do, 
providing scientific support to various government departments, particularly Department of Agriculture, Fisheries and the Marine. We provide them with scientific advice on a sustainable seafood industry, the resources on which the seafood industry relies. We also do a huge amount of work for aquaculture in terms of food safety, harmful algal blooms, monitoring those. I think coming into the next couple of years, the whole issue of climate, trying to understand climate and the big part ocean plays will be huge and we'll have a big focus on that. And generally working with industry to show them the science we're doing and keep them abreast of what we're doing and keeping on on board because it's very important we have good and strong communications, particularly with the fishing industry. There's also what I would call a strong international dimension. Over the next decade, the UN will launch a decade of the ocean for sustainable development. And this will be launched early next year. And it will encompass a recognition that to work on the ocean and try and understand it, countries need to work together. So there will be strong emphasis on cooperation on developing international research programs where countries work closely together on research projects that deepen our understanding of the ocean and help us to predict the way the ocean has its influence on climate and ultimately on society. Given what you were saying earlier about liaising with the industry, can you relate those professional aspects to public interest as well in the work of the Institute? Well, in terms of public interest, there is huge public interest and a growing public interest in the ocean and that's kind of grounded in the impacts the ocean is having on climate when you tell the general public when we deal with them that for every 10 breaths you take seven of those breaths use oxygen that came from the ocean so in other words the ocean is producing 70 percent of the oxygen we breathe The ocean provides food and jobs, leisure, well-being for all our coastal communities. It regulates climate, the whole issue of heat from the atmosphere, warming of ocean water and the circulation of the ocean. You only have to talk about the climate of Ireland and how much it relies on the Gulf Stream. We have problems in the ocean around ocean acidification, changing currents, how that impacts the weather, the pollution issue around plastics has become huge in terms of the consciousness of the public. And then the whole area of food from the ocean is, I think, very big in the public's mind. If you look at globally, huge numbers of the Earth's population live close to the ocean. The FAO reckons about 60 million people are engaged in livelihoods around fisheries and aquaculture. 90% of the world trade comes from ocean-going ships. If you take the EU and the coastal industries associated with the ocean, the latest statistics from the EU say there's 3.4 million jobs associated with tourism around the marine, aquaculture, renewable energy, biotechnology, fishing and shipping. So the seas and the ocean are absolutely critical to society. And one of the big jobs of the Marine Institute is to keep showing and raising the awareness of the ocean and getting the public and the schools and the scientists of the future 
to engage with the sea and really impress how important the ocean is to our society and the way we live. It's been said that we don't fully understand the importance of the seas, but are we getting a better understanding? Does the public have a better understanding of the role that oceans play in our lives? I think they do, and it's a growing understanding, and we can only improve that understanding. And that understanding was more apparent to me when I worked on Seafest last year, when it was in Cork, and we had nearly 100,000 people from the general public coming through to see our ships, our research vessels, our Navy vessels, and we were engaging with them in terms of the work of the Marine Institute. And they were absolutely fascinated by the work we did. And I think the onus is on us to visualize the work we do and tell our story in a very simple and informative way to the general public. We were showing maps of, say, fishing distribution off our west coast. We were summarizing vast amount of data into very simple maps that showed, for instance, the impact of Brexit on our fishing communities, the fact that all the Irish mackerel catches are caught off the west of Scotland. If suddenly, as a result of Brexit, they're not EU waters anymore, they're UK waters. Similarly, with our prawn catches, which are really important to the Irish fishing industry, a lot of them come from the Irish Sea, and the line that divides those fishing grounds is going to be as a result of Brexit, where we now are at a state where we've EU fishing grounds, and then we go to a state where we've EU and UK fishing grounds, with the line going right through. So we're, we're actually showing the public really important features, and they can begin to visualise this when they hear about Brexit on the news. And if you think about our policy on integrated marine plan for Ireland, harnessing our ocean wealth, that's built on three pillars. One is a thriving maritime economy. The second pillar is healthy ocean ecosystems. But the third pillar, which is addressing your question, is the whole idea of engaging with the sea, building on our maritime heritage and strengthening the maritime identity we have with the general public and increasing our awareness of the values, the opportunities that are there from the ocean and making everyone aware that when they walk along a beach they can look out and know the value of the ocean but know also the importance of the ocean to the way they live, to the climate and to their general well-being. We've a lot more work to do, but I think we've made tremendous progress since the government policy harnessing our ocean wealth was launched in July 12. You mentioned some of the challenges that the fishing industry is facing there. It's a sector which has faced and, and continues to face a lot of issues between producing a food for the nation as well as environmental issues and fisheries regulations, which the industry often complain about and which we hear often on the programme. Before you became CEO at the Institute, you were Director of Fisheries there. Can these be resolved for the benefit of the industry and in providing food for the future? Well, I think food from the sea is such an integral part of the global food supply system. The role of the Marine Institute really is to provide scientific advice to government and to the EU on the sustainable exploitation of the resources on which the seafood sector depends. With the fin fish, like the pelagics mackerel, like the cod, the haddock, we provide government advice annually in the form of a stock book 
which gives the latest scientific advice on the state of the stocks, but also on what we think can be safely and sustainably removed from those stocks. And we work very closely with the industry. They know exactly the science we're doing. And as we assess the stocks, they know what the latest advice is shaping up to be. So it's really important we work very closely with them so there are no surprises. And the stock book becomes very important at the end of the year when the minister goes to Brussels to negotiate the quotas for the following year, the quotas being really important to the Irish industry. It's very important also that we look at stocks and we scientifically review how much can be safely taken out because it's important, yes, for the industry next year, but we're looking at it much longer term, that if we want a sustainable industry, we have to have a sustainable resource, and we're looking at the longer term. But the communication with industry, absolutely critical to show them the science we're doing and to show them the way the results are panning out. Marine Institute also do a lot of work uh, around aquaculture, sea lice monitoring uh, on aquaculture farms for salmonids. We also monitor plankton to look for harmful algal blooms. And there is nothing worse than seafood exports in France making people sick and been closed down. What our monitoring does is to ensure that those mussels that are exported come from safe waters. So the whole regulation side of what we do and monitoring and provision of scientific advice is really important for a sustainable seafood industry. And we work closely with that industry, meet them regularly, and keep them abreast of the science and the research and the monitoring we're doing. And that's very important. I think another piece of important work we're doing is looking at different scenarios on Brexit. And we're advising the government that if certain things happen, these are the impacts on the resources on which the fishing and aquaculture industry depend. There are a lot of environmental issues which are coming into play. An environmental side is going to get much stronger in the coming years. For instance, we're going to have marine protected areas in some form coming in. And the way we deal with that is to have a science basis for deciding on where those marine protected areas are and to work with the industry to show this is why we're selecting this area to protect these corals or wherever it may be and to work with industry on ways in which we can protect those species maybe restrict fishing slightly or maybe we needn't restrict the fishing if an area we're protecting corals on the bottom only has pelagic fishing in it then there's no need for pelagic restrictions or we can discuss it so the dialogue has to remain open but there has to be an acceptance that environmental issues are becoming much stronger and will be embedded in the way we run and manage fisheries into the future and i think we only have to look to the inshore sector where there is very strong communication and a, a good dialogue around the whole area of Natura and how we manage fisheries in, in an environmental context. And I think that has been quite successful. I think over the coming years, we're going to be moving to the offshore sector and having to deal both with the Irish and international fleets on how we protect the environment and how we start 
providing these marine protected areas, which we're going to have to do. And at the end of it all, I think there's three key things. We do need healthy ecosystems. We need healthy resources. And the third thing is, we need those two things if we're to have a healthy industry. The new chief executive of the Marine Institute, Dr Paul Connolly. The lifeboats remain on call during the present health crisis. The RNLI is operational and in a state of readiness at this time, Neve Stevenson, Public Affairs Manager, tells us now in her monthly report. But as she says, these are very different times in the service. I love doing this piece and it always comes back to me in the most unexpected ways. I'll be at a lifeboat station or an RNLI event miles from home and chatting with crew or fundraisers that I don't get to see very often when someone will quietly come up to me, tug up my sleeve and say they heard me on the radio or that they enjoy the RNLI updates. For our rescue stories or fundraising campaigns, I always try and put one of our amazing crew on air so that people can hear direct from the source. I love to hear that people enjoy the everyday stories of lifeboating and maybe hear something that they wouldn't normally hear or be aware of. But at the moment, that all seems very far away. I'm working from home and can't get out to visit lifeboat stations or branches, something I love to do and I'm struggling with at the moment. But I know it's the right thing to do and it gives me a chance to do those things I always put on the long finger. I'm clearing out my RNLI photo and video archive, contacting lifeboat press officers and crew, training people online and planning for the future. However, the RNLI's focus, as outlined to us by our Chief Executive Mark Dowie, is as follows. The well-being of our volunteers and staff and the preservation of the RNLI's life-saving service. All of us in the RNLI are keeping this at the forefront of everything we do. The RNLI continues to be on call, answering pagers and rescuing those in trouble at sea or on inland waters. And of course, our RNLI crew are following government advice and measures. I'm taking every opportunity I have to thank everyone in our charity that is helping to keep the RNLI operational and in a state of readiness at this time. In particular, those on the front line and who remain on call, keeping our boats and equipment in working order and ready to launch if needed. I, along with my colleagues, are grateful to all our incredible volunteers for their continued support and a commitment at this challenging time. We will look back on this as the time when the Ornali rose to the challenge. Our volunteers come from all walks of life and I'm acutely aware of how many of them work in our health service or have loved ones who work there. We are so proud of them and the incredible work they are doing to help us all at this time. Finally, if you are looking for some nice stories or good news, the Ornali's social media channels are sharing lots of lovely stories and videos. Our Lifeboat Press officers are going to find uplifting stories and memories in the weeks ahead. So go online and find us on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. We don't know how long this will continue, but as it does, I'll keep working away and sharing the Ornalize news with you. So let's keep washing our hands, social distancing and looking out for each other. Until next time, take care. Neve Stevenson from the RNLI. Now, in the difficult national situation which we're experiencing, what's happening in the angling world? Here's Miles Kelly from Inland Fisheries Ireland. 
Ireland has endured a difficult week as the impact of COVID-19 has permeated our daily lives and curtailed our normal activities. This has obviously had an impact on angling and many fisheries across the country have taken the decision to close until further notice. All communal events such as competitions have been cancelled. With all the uncertainty that this virus has caused, many people have been in contact with us to ask whether they can go fishing at all. IFI has received input from the Department of Health and we have drawn up a set of recreational fishing guidelines which are available online at fisheriesireland.ie forward slash coronavirus. All anglers should read this before going fishing. As the situation is changing day by day, anglers should monitor this site daily for any new developments. While COVID-19 has spread a chill across the country this past week, the weather did its best to bring a bit of warmth, and many parts of the country experienced such much-needed sunshine and higher temperatures. This enabled many to avail of some, albeit restricted, time outdoors. While fishing efforts have understandably been curtailed, some reports have come in, particularly from the early part of the week, when travel was less restricted. Salmon anglers seem to have been the most active in the past week as the fall in water levels has brought many of our rivers into good condition. There were reports of salmon from a number of fisheries, including Loch Beltra, Melvin and Curran, and the rivers Boyne, Lee, Bandon, Flesk, Blackwater, Drowse and Feel. The Drowse has since closed and there are restrictions at some other fisheries, so contact them directly before making any plans. There were a few trout reports in also, with nice fish being caught on the Kings River, as water levels there came good and some flies started to hatch. Some trout were also reported on the river's bride and function. And in a week of bad news, it's good to report a good news story, as young specimen angler Nicola Ward caught a super ferox trout. Fishing on the 20th of March with her dad Nicky and well-known angling guide Tommy Kerman, 12-year-old Nicola managed to land this cracking trout, which weighed in at 13 pounds 8 ounces. Well done, Nicola, Tommy and Nicky. There were also earlier reports in from Loch Sheelan and Loch Carb, where dabblers seem to be accounting for the fish on both legs. Coarse, pike and sea angler reports have been few and far between as matches have been cancelled and social distancing has made charter boat angling difficult. Hopefully there'll be more to report next time. And remember, if you're going fishing, limit the travelling, stay a rod length away from everyone and wash those hands. That's all from me this week. Safe fishing for all and don't forget, CPR saves fish. Miles Kelly, ending This Island Nation, the maritime programme produced at CLY 104FM in Yall on the East Cork coastline. Editor Tom McSweeney, and broadcast on community radio stations around Ireland. In Dublin on Near FM, Dublin City FM, Liffey Sound and Dublin South. On Dundalk FM, Athlone Community Radio. In Galway on Connemara Community Radio and Kinvara FM. Radio Corkoboshkeen in Clare, Kilkenny City Radio, West Limerick 102 FM. In Mayo on Community Radio Castle Bar and Eris FM Bell Mullet, on Cork City Radio, West Cork FM, and Community Radio Bear Island, on Apple Podcasts, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, Spotify, and the MarineTimes.ie. Wherever you've been listening, thank you for being part of the maritime community with Community Radio. The program email address is thisislandnation at gmail.com. Until our next program, from me, Justin Ma, the usual wish a fair sailing.